third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome back. Third and 20 podcast, episode 44. My name is Frank Entesel. We got the main man himself, Mr. Steed. Steed, how you doing today? Yo, what's up? Finally back in the crib, so I have uh, better Wi-Fi. You know, no lagging, no people cutting down um, trees and cutting down grass, so should be a smooth podcast today. Yeah, for, for those who, all of those who don't know, we, during yeah. recording last episode, there was a very aggressive um, lawnmower going on, which definitely screwed things up. We had to re-record, but regardless, let's get right into this. And the first thing that we have going on today is, Steed, you went out and you did a mock draft. Let's see, I'm trying to get this on the screen here. I don't know why it's all not showing up. All right, you seeing that? Yeah, we uh, should be good. Yeah. Okay. Steed, why don't you take us through your mock draft real quick? Um, yeah, and just kind of, don't don't say every pick, but just kind of go over some of the highlights in your opinion. Okay, well, I think I could skip the first two now that the Jets also traded away Sam Darnold. They're obviously taking a quarterback at two. Uh, 49ers, I think, is the first big pick to talk about because, you know, like we said last week, uh, when they traded up to three, obviously they're trying to get a quarterback here, and the argument is, is it going to be Justin Fields, Matt Jones, or Trey Lance? We're Matt Jones, true throughs. I think we think he, I at least think he fits that offense perfectly. He can start day one. They can get rid of Jimmy G, and I, I still like Matt Jones at three. Falcons just take best available. Bengals, you know. I still I think Panacea, even looking at more tape on him, like I, he's the best player available at this point to me still. And, you know, to sure up that O-line for the Bengals, I know they just picked up a couple pieces. I You know, people like Sewell only come around so often. He's 6'6", and he's huge. Uh, just give me him. Uh, Dolphins, now this is the question, because Dolphins traded back to six to target one of the three guys. Now they get to choose two of them. This is my personal personal preference. I'm more of a Jamar Chase guy than I am Devontae. I think Devontae's a great player. I think they're 1A and 1B. But I like them taking Jamar here. And then that leads me to the Lions taking Devontae Smith. And they, I mean, you just lost Galladay. You lost Marvin Jones. You, you got Jared Goff. You got you, your Detroit, first of all. You have no weapons. Jared Goff needs weapons to succeed. Just take Devontae Smith, a very talented receiver, get something going. Now, the Panthers, this is where it gets interesting. Now, I, we originally had the Panthers taking a quarterback, but now with no, with now with Sam Darnold, I think they can kind of just look BPA, maybe keep on that defensive trend. I was thinking about going corner here, but I'm still a huge on Michael Parsons. I know, like, all the, like, the rumors coming out, but I haven't seen much more about that. I think he's a great pick here. He's a tremendous athlete. Just pick up the best player available in this spot for the Panthers and move on. Now, this is where it gets a little spicy. Listen, I'm not a big Drew Locke fan. Never really have been. I, I love his arm. Uh, he's been shoddy a little bit in the NFL. You know, he's had some really good games, and he's had some really bad games. And if I'm the Broncos sitting here at nine, and I got Justin Fields on the board, you know, I, Justin Fields doesn't have to play day one. I can start Drew Locke. But I'm the Broncos who haven't had a quarterback since Peyton Manning. I'm looking to get my franchise guy, and I think I can see that out of Justin Fields. I'm going to take value here. I'm going to pick Justin Fields, who I still have as a top 10 player, 
and I'm just going to get grab him here at nine and hope, you know, use Drew Locke as a bridge for him and then move on with Justin Fields. Cowboys, I got them taking a corner. Originally, I had them taking Sertain, uh, but mine's changed. I always favored J.C. Horn, but after his pro day and after looking more into him, the dude's an absolute stud, okay? I think he's the best corner in this class. Uh, you're not going to miss with him. Uh, so I like J.C. here at 10 for the Cowboys. And, you know, you go on with that young uh, young secondary with Trayvon Diggs and um, J.C. Horn. And, you know, you just picked up Keanu. Like, you're working on something there in the secondary that just got totally thrashed last season. Uh, Giants. You know, Giants here, I was thinking about taking O-line. Um, we're taking Waddle here. But, you know, I think... The Giants are in a position where also, you know, you could just really sure up that D-line because your defense, like, played really well towards the mid to late season last year. And I'm big on Jalen Phillips. I Him and Quiddy Pie are, like, both of my favorite rushers. I think Jalen Phillips is a very sure thing, and I like where he's climbing at on a lot of people's boards. So I'm taking Jalen Phillips here at 11. Get that done. Eagles here, I mean, we talked about it. The Eagles could literally get anything. Uh, I'm just taking a corner. Give me Sertain. Uh, help out that. Uh, Chargers, no shocker there. Need to protect Herbert. Take Slater. Vikings, like I said, same thing. They need they need defense. Take the really good pass rusher. Take Quiddy Pie. Here we go with the Patriots. Uh, Trey Lance is six on my rankings, but still, you know, I, I can't put Kellamon in the – in the uh, first round still for me for some weird reason. But I'm going to take Trey Lance here. He doesn't have to play automatically. And they're in a position where, you know, Patriots get a lot of people back. They spend a lot of money this offseason. They get Cam back. And they're in if – they're kind of like that mid-road team or not really competing or out of the playoffs. Then you can put Trey Lance in. But I think Cam Newton's a good bridge quarterback, good vet. Talk to Trey Lance, you know, get him used to the league and – if anybody can get a quarterback as, you know, who's not as sustained or, you know, as polished as these other quarterback prospects, it would be Bill Belichick and McDaniel. So I like Trey Lance landing with the Patriots there. Yeah, Cardinal but real quick to cut you off here. I, I agree with what you said there with Cam Newton being the perfect bridge quarterback, especially for someone like Trey Lance. I really like this fit a whole lot. Um, one thing, because you didn't do trades in this one. Yeah, no trades. I feel way. like, I feel like the Patriots are not going to be picking at fifteen. I just have. I, weird I feel like feeling. I do see them moving. Um, a good spot for them might be at four, or even with the Panthers or something like that. I can see that. I I just wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, try to trade down and then trade back up and then just start moving all over the draft to kind of get the guys and mm -hmm. the picks that they want, especially because they don't have a third this year. So it seems like they're in a spot, you know, they added a ton of talent in, in free agency. So they, they tried to solve a whole lot of their major needs there. Whether they're moving up, down, sideways, who knows? Um, but I, I really don't feel like they're going to be sticking with this one. Now, give us the highlights for the for the last ones. Uh, last one's Raiders. I, I like this pick for the Raiders here. I mean, they need help on defense. Uh, they made a couple moves in the offseason. I know they lost 60% of their offensive line, but Alusa Coromoa is just too much of a beast at linebacker to pass up here at 17. 
So I feel like you got to take him. Yeah, he, he's the type of player that the Raiders like. He, you know, they, they take big school, high character, work ethic kind of guys. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he went earlier, Owosu Koromo, but I don't really know. Linebackers, it's always weird because mm-hmm. we both really liked Patrick Queen last year, and Patrick Queen ended up going in the mid-20s to the Ravens, and we both thought that he was a guy that wouldn't be past pick 20. Yeah, I mean, linebackers are always tough to judge, so here at 17 would be a seal for him. Uh, another, just a highlight pick, is the Bears. I, they lost Fuller. Uh, seeing more of Greg Newsom. Uh, listen, he's number third in corner. He's kind of like competing for me to be two with Sertain. I really like Greg Newsom's game. He's physical. He's athletic. Uh, I think he has a lot to offer with the Bears, especially that defensive scheme. I like that pick for him to replace Fuller. Yeah, I like that a lot, too, with the fit of replacing Fuller. Get a hard-nosed, good coverage guy. Him and Jalen Johnson would be really nice in the secondary. Like Uh, a nice, cheap, super talented secondary. Eddie Jackson, too. Like, damn, that that would be a nice little fit if, if they don't like the quarterbacks on the board. Yeah, another kind of a shocker pick, I think, would be like the Jags doubling down and taking a receiver here. Maybe a little Rondell Moore. Uh, you know, I was between him and Katavri, um or Tony, and, uh, you know, uh, Frank, we talked about it before, we just kind of like his game, his all-around game more. I feel like, especially if you get Urban, Urban Meyer's going to be there, and I think Rondell Moore kind of like, just seeing what Urban's done at the college level and his scheme, if he brings any of that over, Rondell Moore kind of fits that that personnel very well. Uh, yeah, Brown. also, Rondell Moore tearing up Ohio State as an 18-year-old might be a little bit of a nudge to Urban Meyer being like, okay, I saw this guy destroy yeah, I remember this guy. the team that I was coaching beforehand. Um, yeah, maybe, because, I mean, I, I can see why Jags fans wouldn't want Rondell Moore or just not even want a receiver, because they, they have a lot of receivers. They picked they up Lewis Chenault last year, but I can see it, because I think that Rondell Moore is is talented enough to where you don't really worry about position. I think the Jaguars in general should just handle this as BPA because um, you're, you're taking Trevor Lawrence, and then every pick after that, I don't think you you pigeonhole yourself into drafting a specific position. If you think Rondell Moore is the best player on the board and will make an impact, you just take him. Yeah. Uh, Browns, I think this is a good, like, interesting pick because Jason Away might not be as fundamental as some of these other pass rushers, but I mean, he's just such a freak athlete. I mean, this is a huge dude running at four four, and I just, you know, you get someone with that kind of athletic ability all and pair him on the other side of Miles Garrett. I mean, it, it could be it, they could torment the quarterbacks. They could torment every offense they they see. So I, you know, it might be a little bit of a more of not a reach, but you know, kind of a you know, a gamble at 26 taking him. Because I he's a first-round talent. I still believe that. But just, is he going to be as polished? Is he going to have his up and downs? Yes. But what he could be, and to snag him here at 26, I think that's a great steal for the Browns. Has has Clowney signed with the Browns? I know that they were kind of like flirting with each other. Has that officially I, happened? I haven't heard anything about Clowney. Like, he'd probably do the same thing he did last year, wait till like the day of. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't... Options. Yeah, I, I, but you can also have not enough line, you know, just roll them in and out. Uh, another little highlight, Packers, I think you get a steal here. You know, late a guy that was targeted as a top-ten player 
in this draft and has been falling off the board because of his back problems and uh, resurgence of some of these other corners. You know, Kevin King sucked for the Packers. He did. He was terrible. And you got a you got a star in Jair Alexander and a guy with a great athletic ability. And if his back thing turns out not to be a problem, Caleb Farley here at was this twenty nine? I that's an easy steal for me. Uh, another pick. You know, I feel like these are all kind of just whatever. Like Christian Barmore. Uh, you know, just get a solid player for the Bills to help. You know, s stop the run game and then get some a little bit of pass rush. You need to build up that D-line. I feel like the defense was kind of letting down the Bills a little bit last year, especially you, Definitely. Kind of, you saw that in the AFC Championship. So just, you know, you're going to get what you get out of Barmore. You're not going to get, like, a superstar, but, like, you know, you're going to get an above-average player who's ready to play day one. He's from a SEC school. He's from Alabama. He's from Nick Saban. I, I, I like this fit for the Bills. Uh, no, I, I completely agree with that. Like, I think the Bills, one thing that I got from the Bills this offseason is that because they signed Sanders, they brought Isaiah McKenzie back, it really feels like they're looking to forego an early round pick on a receiver, which we kind of both felt like they could use but not necessarily needed. And I think that, that they're trying to just open the door so that they can take D-line because their D-line, especially in the middle of last year, was a huge problem for this team. Yeah, and they also need a corner. So what, where they go in the first and the second, I think does depend on the board. But if Barmore falls all the way to pick thirty, like I like, I would love this for the Bills. Just get that centerpiece of their D line, and and then you can take a corner because there'll still be some good corners in round two. Yeah, because I also played with them getting a corner. Uh, I like Aaron Robinson, who you see, I got the Bucks taken because I think the Bucks are at a point, you know, you just won the Super Bowl. You got a majority of your team returning. I, I pretty much your whole team returning, especially yeah. on that defense. And, you know, you can kind of just take whatever you want. Aaron Robinson, I think is a very talented player. He's got a good build. Uh, he was a beast at UCF and, you know, just pick up another corner there. But I played with him going the bills also played with the bills taking Basham. But the thing about mm -hmm. Basham is I, I like Barmore just more, you know, and yeah, I would too. I think that Barmore, in terms of a guy that's going to make a year one impact, especially what the Bills struggled in, I think Barmore would be a perfect fit. I'm, I'm just not sure he lasts this far. I, I really don't know with Barmore. Yeah, you, it seems it, like there are some guys that really love him and other guys that think he's a second round player. Well, the thing is, I, I think the D line is, you know, especially in this first round, is pretty deep because you go Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, Quiddy Pie. Uh, some uh, Jason Away, Joseph Asai, you know, like he's in the mix with those guys. I just think teams might value those guys more just based off like more of a talent in, yeah, possibly. Um, um, really quickly, I I think the Colts getting Cosme would be really nice for this football team. Um, where do you have? Oh, so you have Darisaw going to the football team a few picks before. I think that Cosme is a guy that. I would not be surprised if he goes in the top 20, mm -hmm. just because these tackles are all so good. Um, it also seems like we don't really... I, I think a lot more people think that the order of these tackles is more locked than it actually is. I wouldn't be surprised to see some surprise names off the board, maybe like a Tevin Jenkins or... Yeah. Um, just, I mean, there's so many. Elijah Vera yeah. Tucker, there are some people that have him as like an early second round compared to a possibly could... a top 10 kind of guy. 
Yeah, you could see a guy like Alex Leatherwood go easily in the first mm-hmm. round somewhere. You know, it, it's just you're right. The 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 tackle class is just it's very hard because they're all very good. It's a very deep tackle class, and thing is, some of these guys are going to fall in the second round who are first round picks, and it's just it's really hard to navigate who who goes where. But yeah, I do like the Cosme pick for the Colts. Are they able to get them with a? the retirement of uh, Costanza. So, and, you know, you, you got to protect Wentz. And we saw last year, yeah. if you didn't protect Wentz, it's turnover city. So, I mean, that's with every quarterback. But, I mean, that's pretty much my mock draft. Grade it what you will. Yeah, let's just run through it really quickly. I'm going to go in order. First pick, the Jags, T-Law. Second pick, the Jets, Wilson. 49ers take Mac Jones. Falcons pick up Kyle Pitts at four. Bengals pick up Penny Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon at 5. Dolphins pick up Jamar Chase at 6, wide receiver at LSU. Dol- uh, the Lions pick up Devontae Smith. Panthers, Micah Parsons. Broncos pick up Justin Fields at 9. Cowboys, J.C. Horn at 10. Giants, Jalen Phillips at 11. Eagles, Patrick Sertan. At, they're at 12 now. Chargers at 13 pick up Slater. Um, Vikings, Quiddy Pie, rusher, edge rusher out of Michigan. Patriots pick up Trey Lance, quarterback. Cardinals pick up Jalen Waddle. Kind of surprised you didn't take him having a, a corner here, but I do kind of like it, especially for that offense. Raiders pick up Owosu Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. Dolphins pick up Gregory Rousseau, edge rusher out of Miami. The Washington football team picks up Christian Derisaw, the tackle. Bears pick up Greg Newsom, a corner. Colts, Samuel Cosme, the tackle. Titans, Aziz Ojulari, an edge rusher out of Georgia. Jets, Zavin Collins, one of my personal favorite linebackers. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Steelers pick up Elijah Vera Tucker. Jags pick up Rondale Moore, the receiver out of Purdue. Browns, Jason Owe, edge rusher. Ravens, Joseph Osai, another edge rusher. Saints pick up the safety out of TCU, Trayvon Morig. Packers, corner out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. Bills, D-lineman out of Alabama, Christian Barmore. Chiefs, Jalen Mayfield, Bucks, Aaron Robinson, the corner and tackle, respectively. Jalen Mayfield, the tackle, Aaron Robinson, the corner. Um, final thoughts on your mock draft, Mr. Steve. Anything that you like, didn't like specifically? Just final thoughts. Uh, well, the thing is, you know, it's not going to go like that because obviously there's going to be trades or whatnot. And, you know, maybe I, I should – it's just kind of hard to do the trade sometimes but and play around with it. But I kind of did the no trade thing. Uh, but the thing I do like about this mock draft, if it fell this way for every team, you know, I love every team's pick. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. Yeah. So it's not going to go like that. I, you're going to see names that – I mean – just speaking for a Falcons fan, nobody had A.J. Terrell plugged in as a first-round talent, but he went 16th overall. A lot of teams are going to have people graded differently than we do, and if they're on their board and they're available, they're going to take them. You never know who's going to be. But, I mean, overall, I do like my draft, so take it what you will. Yeah, that's the problem with mock drafts is that once one trade happens, it can screw up the entire mock and just mm-hmm. completely change things. But – With that being said, the draft, we are so close to the draft, inching closer and closer every day. Let's go. We haven't talked a ton about the defensive prospects on the pod. So we decided we're going to go through and go best prospect at each position. Me and Steve, we're going to go through all the defensive positions and say who we think the best prospect is, at least maybe our favorite prospect, whatever. 
Let's start off. Let's go inside out. Let's go interior defensive line. I'm going to go first and take the guy that you probably also have. I think it's Christian Barmore. Uh, Christian yeah. Bar, you know, the interior linemen this draft, I don't think we're are, are anywhere near as dominant as some of the interior linemen from years prior. Um, you know, we, we've seen some really stud muffin interior D-line guys come out. But Barmore, if there's anyone that's going to be that stud level guy, I think it might be him. There's a couple of guys that are decent on the back end that I haven't gotten a, enough time to really dive into. But for me, Christian Barmore, I think he showed enough on tape for me at Alabama. Pretty decent prospect. I think he's going in the first round. He's my top guy. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same with you. I, I really like Barmore. I think he's a you know, a sure pick. Uh he's nothing fan, like sexy or someone like a uh, away, but uh a guy that can you can plug in day one and he's going to play and he's gonna produce. So I'm with you on Barmore. Yeah, he just felt like he was kind of like him and the and the D backs were really felt like the rock of that Alabama defense. Like the, mm -hmm. the real money makers on that defense um let's go to edge rusher now edge rusher i think we're also going to be in agreement here uh jalen phillips jalen mm -hmm. phillips is a guy that i really like um miami has a ton of great pass rushers but jalen phillips to me is a very all-around good pass rusher if i had to take someone at one it's between him paye and rasau i think rasau opting out has really hurt him and mm -hmm. killed his chances of being the number one D end. Um, I don't think necessarily a hundred percent, but if you're a team that's looking for a guy that's going to produce day one, I feel like Jalen Phillips might be your guy. Cause some of these other edge prospects that either didn't have the production or they're a little bit too raw Whereas Jalen Phillips, the total package, I, I feel like he's that guy. Yeah, I'm with you on Jalen Phillips, too. And, you know, at, at the beginning of, like, all this scouting, I, I think everybody was heavy on Gregory Sell. And then, you know, he, he did opt out. And Gregory Sell is a really great talent. But at some point we were saying he was a top-five pick. You've seen him falling. I've seen him falling in drafts as far as, you know, like somewhere in the late 20s. But the person I've seen that – really rising is the guy who played this year is Jalen Phillips. And, you know, I'm with you on him. I really like his game. I also love Quiddy Pie. Like I said, like, they're my one, too. But I, I think Jalen Phillips, when you talk about, like, a pro, I, I think he is another guy who could strap in day one and get to the quarterback easily and make some noise. Yeah, one guy I, I just kind of want to put as an honorable mention because I was thinking about him from – I just don't think he showed enough to be the number one guy. But Joseph Osai really impressed me from what I watched from, uh, out of Texas. I forget who exactly. It might have been Chuba Hubbard I was watching, and I saw Osai. And, man, like, high motor. He's raw, but I just think he has a ton of potential. So I'm going to also kind of put Osai in that Jalen Phillips category of a guy that I've seen some people say he's a first-round talent. Others think he's a second-round talent. I personally believe that he's a first-round guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes outside of the first round just because he needs some development. But, mm -hmm. man, I've seen pass rushers like him develop in, in the NFL. And if I'm going to pick a guy 
that has like an insanely high ceiling and a developmental guy, I'm picking Osai. Yeah, I like that. I'm also the kind of the same way with the way it's just like the way he measures. You know, he might have not had like tremendous success in college as this as some of these other guys, but you know, if you get someone that big that can run a four four, I mean, I can't, I can't turn yeah, my eye at him. Yeah, it, like it's just crazy. All right, let's go to linebacker. Um, I'm gonna start this one off because there, I thought about this a decent amount. And I just can't pass up on him. Because I remember thinking and feeling the same way about Fred Warner a couple of years ago. I was really hoping the Steelers would pick him up. And I remember he fell to the Niners and I believe, like, the third or the fourth round. Yeah. And I just remember at that draft screaming at my TV, like, please, we need a linebacker. Pick up Fred Warner. We ended up picking up Devin Bush uh, a year or two later, so it's not that bad. Um, but the guy that I really love from this class and he is not the consensus number one linebacker, that's Zayvon Collins. Oh, man, Zayvon Collins is just such a freaking beast. I think Mm -hmm. the problem with Zayvon Collins is that he doesn't really fit that prototypical middle backer in the modern game. He's a little bit too big, um, and and I'm not sure he's great enough in coverage to do that. So maybe you you might end up putting him as as an outside linebacker, I don't really know, but the thing that I do know is that this kid can play, and I almost kind of think of him as, you remember Isaiah Simmons being like the all-around secondary linebacker player? I feel like Zayvon Collins is the anti-Isaiah Simmons, and he's like the all-around, he's a pass rusher, big linebacker, like that kind of versatile, where he's like that front seven type of versatile. You can line him up at a a bunch of different positions, Great instincts, so even though he's not necessarily the prototypical middle linebacker like Parsons or Owosu Koromoa would be, I just think he's too talented, too good, and too much of a freak that I'm going to put him as my number one guy. Yeah, Zayvon Collins is like one of those versatile kind of guys, and I do love Zayvon Collins. But my number one linebacker, I flip-flopped on a lot of this, but I, I still got to go with my day one. I, I do love Micah Parsons' game. I think he's just truly like a, a – like him and Owusu Koromoa, you know, like if we're just talking about true linebackers, they're like – you know, they're on the elite level of this draft, you know, with Zayvon yeah. Collins being the, kind of like this hybrid mix. But I, I, I think Micah Parsons is very athletic. He can also get to the – quarterback as well he's pretty he's pretty good in pass coverage uh he made all kinds of plays at Penn State you know just it kind of depends with the whole like it depends if a team wants to take a chance on him with the the kind of things he got himself into or did or didn't do over there I'm not too sure about it but I I'm gonna stick with Micah Parsons as my one yeah, I think that him and Owosu Kormar should go before Zayvon Collins because they just fit this this newer mold of linebacker where you're mm. more pass coverage oriented, faster sideline to sideline kind of guy. Because, I mean, you see in the NFL, all these teams are motioning guys left, right, left, like all this misdirection and stuff that you kind of need a linebacker who can take one a wrong step but then recover because he's quick enough and still be a factor in the run game but then drop back in the pass. Um, so, yeah, I think that these guys should go 
pretty early-ish in the draft. I, they, I'm going to say 100% go in the first round. I think mm-hmm. they should both go in the top 25 picks, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that this linebacker class is relatively underrated. I don't think it necessarily has... Because even Micah Parsons, I don't think he's necessarily as good as, like, a Roquan Smith. Oh, no, no, no. But... Yeah. There are plenty of really good linebackers, even on day two, because there are guys like Surratt. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Chaz Surratt that I, I yeah, really Chaz. like. Um, oh, there's a couple of other guys that are escaping me right now, but I think that there's this is a pretty yeah. Nick Bolton is there. Um, there's a there's a couple pretty damn good linebackers in this class, so I think that that I'm not hearing that necessarily from the public, but I do like some of these linebackers. But let's move on into. Let's move on to corner. I think we're both going to agree on the same guy here. It's J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, to me, is just your prototypical shutdown kind of guy. You look at South Carolina, this is a team that they, if if the offense they were playing had a number one guy, J.C. Horn, you're covering him basically Mm -hmm. the entire game. Um, A couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, um, they put J.C. Horn on Devontae Smith basically the entire game. And while J.C. Horn did give up two touchdowns, he he played really well. It's He played a lot better than the box score would suggest. And there were not a whole lot of players that could do that to Devontae Smith. I know people really like Sertan and Farley. I, they're still really good prospects, but... J.C. Horn, to me, is just a guy that checks basically every single box of a really good stud first-round pick. So if I were an NFL GM and I needed a corner, J.C. Horn would be my number one guy. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on J.C. Um, it's not because I've been a fanboy of him for you know three-plus years now, but you know he's truly been like that lockdown corner. It, it, Playing for South Carolina is tough, you know, especially when he has to go one-on-one against your best guy. And majority of the time, like, you never even saw the ball get thrown his way. And, you know, I don't want to compare, like, his style of play to Patrick Peterson a lot. But, like, for some reason, J.C. Horn just reminds me of, like, the way he's able just to neutralize, like, some of these receivers in college football and just where they're, like, non-existent. Reminds me of what Patrick Peterson kind of kind of did at the pro level or does now you know but another guy you know i'm really high on is greg newsom out of northwestern i, I think I, we talked about him early i you know i, I think he, he could squeeze in where he goes before some of these guys and be the third corner off the board and might be a little bit of a shock to people but this dude can ball and he he's very athletic he has pro day i mean he looked like his feet looked fine to me, tested very well. And, you know, whoever gets Greg Newsom is going to get one hell of a corner. I actually really like that uh, Patrick Peterson comp to J.C. Horn because I think you're right in that. For I'm not going to say that people forgot about Patrick Peterson because everyone knows Patrick Peterson. But it seemed like for a good amount of time, because Patrick Peterson is just not flashy he shut down for for that large portion of his career it's like 
yeah, we know he's a top corner, but all the talk was on, you know, the up-and-coming guys. You know, maybe like a Jalen Ramsey or this guy or that guy. I mean, at the time, it was, people were saying Josh Norman was better than Patrick Peterson. And this yeah. Was, and it, like, Josh Norman, that year, the Panthers went to the Super Bowl. Hell of a se- great season, you know, but was he better than Patrick Peterson? No. Was he better at talking crap than Patrick Peterson? Yeah, but like... You know, Patrick Peterson is kind of that guy, like, you know, your best receiver to get involved. Yeah, Just you, consistent. You would and have that, to game that plan is the around sign him. of that, like, true all-pro kind of corner, right? Like, yeah. you think of the guys, the Darrell Reeves, the Patrick Petersons, it's like, dude, they're not terribly flashy. They always go up against your number one guy, and week in and week out, you know exactly what kind of player you're getting. Um and honestly, like, that's why I really like J.C. Horn, because it felt like he was that kind of player in college. Like, obviously, he wasn't perfect. No. But 95% of snaps, you were getting the top corner or one of the top three corners in college ball week in and week out. And that kind of consistency is just so crucial in the NFL. And not to mention the fact that there's been a recent trend of good South Carolina players getting way better when they get to the NFL than they were at South Carolina. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to me, it's just J.C. Horn, there's not a box he doesn't check. Also, like, I mean, I, I, I saw Stephon Gilmore play pretty much every week at South Carolina and then watching J.C. Of course, I was younger then, but, like, just, you know, same kind of eye test. I, I still, like, I think J.C. Horn was a better corner than Stephon was in college, you know? I mean, same same team and all, but... I, I, you know, I'm just so high on JC and just hope that he goes to a team and really competes. All right, let's move on to the safeties, though. Uh, safeties, I think this is a relatively, I don't want to say weak safety class. Thin. I think that this is, it's almost like if you take the linebacker class, you have less top-end talent and less depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that there are some decent safeties, so... A couple of guys that I like, Javon Holland out of Oregon, I think is a guy that is really interesting. He was another opt-out, which I think is, I'm not going to say it hurt his draft stock because we have no idea what's going to happen. I do think there is a chance that he could squeak into the first round, to be honest. I know that right now Trayvon Morig kind of seems to be that number one de facto safety. But I think that Javon Holland might give him a run for his money. The other guy that I really like, and I know he's not going to be a first-round pick, and maybe not even a second-round pick because of his size, but that's our Darius Washington. Mm. This is a guy that, you know, I, I saw Mike Hilton play for the Steelers and play really well for the Steelers. I feel like our Darius Washington could almost be a more shut-down version of Mike Hilton, where, dude, like, you see all these slot slot receivers and and tight ends and moving these good receivers into the slot if you need a guy that can go down into the slot or play over the top as a safety i feel like that's our darius washington um and not only that i just think he's an unbelievably talented football player yeah i i do like a darius washington a lot too um number one for me is still trayvon morig like that's just because you know i we saw him play and you know, I, I liked his game. He played really fast. He's kind of a smaller guy, too, where he's able, you know, it just looks like he knows where to go on the field, you know, just as a safety and reading offense and making plays. But I do like Javon Holland as well. You know, I I, I, 
I agree with you. I don't think it hurt his draft stock not playing because, again, like, I think the Pac-12 only played, like, five games this year. But, you know, like, it's just a little more mystery there for me personally. But I would not be surprised if he goes in the first round too. It's just the question is, like, do these teams go safety in the first round? Is there really a big need for it? Like, I could see the one team that pops off to my head that is probably going safety in the first round is the Saints. And then everywhere else is, like, maybe the Bucks just to take one, you know? And then I, I don't know where else a safety would go in the first. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't really know. And I think one thing is that's been kind of weird because I think that safety is more important than people realize. But good safeties recently have just kind of fallen in the draft. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that safeties are – there's going to be more day two safeties – obviously than day one but i think a lot of these potential day one guys are going to fall to day two at the end of the day um, and maybe uh, elijah molden gets some looks too like somewhere you know definitely in the second round but you know yeah and same I, thing like andre cisco i think is pretty interesting that Syracuse that syracuse team had a pretty good uh some pretty good d-backs a good secondary i think it was relatively underrated um so yeah there there are some I think that there could be a really good kind of surprise pick at, at the safety position. Mm-hmm. But let's move on. Uh, big news in the NFL. Sam Darnold got traded to the Carolina Panthers from the New York Jets, Jets for a next year's two, a next year's four, and a this year's six. I'm going to start this one off because I did that big Sam Darnold analysis earlier. I think that this is a pretty good trade for both sides. I'm pretty sure in that Sam Darnold analysis, we were saying that, well, there's not a whole lot of teams that really want a, a Darnold, um, but if there is one, it's the Panthers. I, I said, like, Panthers, Vikings, and there's not really many other teams unless they get shafted during the draft that would trade for him pre-draft. He ended up going to the Panthers. Um I think it's a relatively win-win trade for both sides. Um, now mm-hmm. the Panthers, they're not they're not locked into taking a quarterback at, at eight. And, I mean, I think there's a good chance that the quarterback that they would want isn't even there because um, it seems like it's a lock now for three quarterbacks to go all in a row, one, two, three. I would not be terribly shocked to see a team like the Bengals or the Falcons or even like a, the Lions trade down in front of the Panthers so that a team could take a quarterback. Like, especially the Lions. I think the Lions are a great trade-down candidate. A team that, like, they're clearly not looking to heavily compete from a general management perspective because they've already traded away Stafford for assets and... and um, They're just hoping to get and, a team out there. Yeah, and ate that Jared Goff contract, so... Like, if I'm the Lions, I would probably be looking to trade down. Um, maybe just a hand, like, maybe to the Broncos or something. Because I think one thing that people aren't realizing is that if I'm the Panthers, I'm still not necessarily passing up a quarterback in the draft. Uh, like, yeah. What do you think? I, I wouldn't pass him up, especially if someone falls that they like there at, at eight, you know? But the well, talk what if they have like a top five grade on Trey Lance. Like, are are you really gonna pass up on Trey Lance for Micah Parsons, even if you traded for Darnold? 
I'm me. I, I just yeah. Think, if you're the GM, I well, if I was the GM, if I if I had, I I wouldn't have a top five grade on Trey Lance, so I'd probably take Michael Parsons just because I think he's a better better prospect. Okay, well, what about Justin Fields? Mm, that's tough. Um, you see, I would probably take the quarterback. I would take Fields there. I I would, you know, and just ride with it. But the thing. I, you know, the thing is about Sam Darnold is, like, you know, I do want to give him a chance to, you know, play in this Joe Brady offense and work with him. And I, truly, the Panthers offense has got to be miles better by the Jets. But I bring you to this question here is, did the Jets screw him or did Adam Gase screw him? Because look at, like, I found this little bit of a stat where Ryan Tannehill when he was playing under Adam Gaze, had a 57, 58 QBR. And then, or, or a PFF grade of 58. And then Sam Darnold had a PFF grade of 57. And now look at Ryan Tannehill. He's the top He's top five in that category. Do you think Sam Darnold could get somewhere around yes. that? Yeah, yeah. You know? I, it, I think there's, there's two things that we have to look at, though. Because people say that all of the Jets' problems were on Adam Gaze. That's not true, because the general manager that was, I, I forget his name, um, something like an M, he screwed up. He oh, was, yeah. like, the, the first problem, because, you know, getting rid of guys like Demario Davis and then drafting incredibly poorly, and then, you know, you, you trade up for Sam Darnold, and then you don't take any offensive players or offensive line, and then have one of the worst offensive lines, and then you have Robbie Anderson, and all of a sudden... Whether I forget whether this was Douglas or not, but then you get rid of Robbie Anderson, who is your number one target, which at the time I didn't even think was a bad move, but it ended up like your receivers were terrible last year. Jamison Crowder was your only really reliable guy. Whether Mims is good or not is up for discussion. It doesn't matter. It doesn't help Sandarno last year. Their offensive line statistically was worse. So like while Adam Gase definitely isn't Bill Belichick, I think that he wasn't exactly dealt a great hand. And if you remember, like, Ryan Tannehill did have some good seasons in Miami, but they had a similar problem where their roster wasn't necessarily incredibly talented at the time, um, yeah. especially their receivers. So, can Sam Darnold turn around? Of course. You know, we, we see all the time the talent that, that jumps off the screen. I mean, he he's the kind of guy that his consistency is the problem, not the talent. But I, I do think that we can't just sit here and say, oh, the Jets suck, Sam Darnold was not at fault. There were plenty of games where he was the one who screwed up the read. He was the one who didn't hit a wide-open long ball for a touchdown. It's not like Joe Flacco didn't come in and pretty much outplay him. Um, so I think that basically every single party is at fault. But it's like it's a good move for everyone involved because, like you said, you get to go to Joe Brady and Matt Rule. I think I personally believe that this is a one of the top coaching staffs in the league. Just looking at Matt Rule, Joe Brady, his pedigree, this is the kind of organization that is easy to buy into and, and mm -hmm. believe in any sort of talented player because they seem like they have that emphasis on developing players. They they have that that like attention to detail that some of the other coaches maybe don't have, or maybe it's just not on that level. I mean, Matt rule, look at every single job he's ever had. He's never not had success. He's always turned the ship the right way. 
Um, so I feel like you can only give him the benefit of the doubt. It seems like they've had a great plan up into this point, right? Year one, we, we completely revamped the defense. And we both said a lot of last season, this is an underrated defensive group. It you was. give them a little bit more experience, it's going to be a good team. Now you just need a quarterback. I think that this is a great situation for Darnold. I'm just not sure that he's the long-term answer. I think that they more so did this because he was the cheapest good starter that they could possibly get, right? Like, you didn't have to give up a huge price to get a really talented player, and they were really the only team that had the ability to do so, especially with the with the shrunken cap and be able to take his fifth-year option. But, like, if I'm the Panthers, I think I still take a quarterback if one that I really like is there. Yeah, that, but it comes in, if Darnold does play, like, you know, the second-round pick he was, or some up to par somewhere around that where, you know, let's say the Panthers go somewhere around 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, Sam Darnold has a really good year, and they draft a guy like Justin Fields this year, you know, do, are you on the verge where you're saying, well, Darnold impressed me, he's my guy, what do you do with Phils? Do you just trade him? Um, I mean, I think that you can just have him chill. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, I now I'm not I'm not saying that I, I'm locking in the Panthers to take quarterback. I think there's a better chance that they don't take a quarterback than they do. But at the same time, if you think that Justin Fields is has the talent of Russell Wilson. How can you pass up on that? I think that that's I mean, more of the equation. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. If if you have Justin Fields really highly rated and he's somewhere that you have to take him. So I think I'd rather be in the position that I have two sick quarterbacks and I have to figure out what's going on. At least you have options. Than, yeah, then just completely banking on Sam Don. And what if maybe the Panthers don't go a quarterback in round one, but then they pick up a Davis Mills or a Kellen Mond or a Kyle Trask later in the draft. I mean, that's another that option happen. as well, because mm -hmm. it seems like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be on the move. Yeah. Um, I, like, I think that it was a good move for the Panthers because now you have options. Now you're not pigeonholed and now other teams have a, have a tougher time of reading what you're going to do. You know, you, you don't have to do anything. You could just sit there and take the best player on the board now. And that's how I think every team should look at it. So I think this is a great move from the Panthers to put themselves in a position to do so. On top of that, if this pays off, it's huge. You know, like the risk reward is just so in their favor. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's move on though. Let's move on into wide receiver rankings. The, uh, Probably the last positional rankings that we might do. Maybe we'll do like a huge episode of all the other positions we haven't covered of, of our top 10 rankings. But let's do it. Let's get right into it. So let, while I'm putting this on the screen, Steed, do you want to go over your, um, your wide receiver rankings? Yeah, hold on. I'm pulling them up now. Okay. I've one easily got Jamar Chase and... We all know that. And then two, Devontae Smith. Three, this is when we get into little, like, because, you know, I I don't know if I'm really a huge Jalen Waddle guy. I know we talked about this last week. Um, it's, it's really tough for me, but I'm going to put Waddle at three. 
I still, uh, like, I think his talent's just really good, and, you know, he's going to be a first-round pick, going to be a top-20 pick, and I would take the bait on Jalen Waddle. I'm just not as huge on him. I I feel like that's just where the drop-off starts to happen, right, between Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. And then four might be a little bit of shot. Yeah, there's um, definitely a drop-off there. Yeah, and then I'm going to have uh, Rondell Moore at four. I like we like I said in my mock draft, I really like what Rondell Moore brings. I think he's a ledger player. Um, I think he would fit well in a lot of offenses. At five, I got Cardarius Tony. I we posted about him uh, this week. He has those A B traits. You know, you see it all the time. It's just is he going to be able to do that consistently at the next level? I'm not too sure, but. You know, I would take I would take him if he was in the second round and I had the opportunity and I liked him, I would easily take um Cardarius Tony. Are we doing top five or do you want me just to keep going? I mean you can keep going if you want. I did top ten. Okay. At six I got old Tutu Atwell. I I you see Tutu I don't know if it's because of his name that I really like him or not, but I, he did sh- when he played this year. He for Louisville, he he seemed to have like kind of that playmaking ability and was able to show really great speed that I think will transcend into the uh, NFL and he can be effective. Um, and then uh, at seven, I got Rashad Bateman. Uh, you know, a lot of the controversy around Bateman that is he a first-round pick or not, I don't truly believe so. I think, like, mid to late second or, like, third, that's where I would slot him at. Uh, there's things I like about Bateman games. There's things I don't. Uh, I, he might be more, like, kind of that hit-or-miss kind of guy for me. But I got him slotted at seven. I got I got eight. Um, but uh, my eighth one is Terrence Marshall Jr. I think, you know, for him to get a lot of buzz – I feel like he might be the one to be, if he somehow sneaks in the first round or like he's taking the early second, I could see him busting out of like a lot of this group. I I just, you know, I'm not a big fan of his game. All right. uh, So you're doing eight? Yeah, I got eight. All right. Well, with that being said, Let's get into the at least my receiver rankings with a bunch of these clips I got. Um, R.I.P. to my main film YouTube channel, QPro88. You will be missed. YouTube took down your stuff, which is really unfortunate, but hopefully the appeal comes through. We're rooting for you. Um, so with that, I had to kind of scramble for clips here because a bunch of the clips that I had saved up were from those videos. So my number one guy... Number one and number two, I think for everyone, at least for me, I think for a whole lot of people is really close. Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase. And I think it almost does depend on scheme fit, which one you'd rather have, what you're going to ask your offense to do, what what your plan of attack is, what you're asking yeah. them to do as a receiver. But for me, I think that I I think that Devontae Smith fits more, maybe not more systems, but maybe his niche that he fits, he's going to do it better than Jamar Chase. Whereas Jamar Chase may be more versatile. But, man, I, I like Devontae Smith a ton last year. Um, he's done nothing but improve that this year by going out and having a Heisman-winning season. I did not really expect that, necessarily. But, first thing when you watch Devontae Smith, separation. 
he is just tough to cover. They call him the Slim Reaper for a reason. You can see he just gets guys going the wrong way a ton. You know, and it may the way that he attacks D backs and how he attacks their leverage off the line of scrimmage is just really it's like coach's tape. Um, let's see if we can get it is loading here. Um, like he's just so freaking good. Um, what is this clip? I don't even have it written down. Oh, here, yeah. And, and not only that, like he creates separation underneath. But he is a crazy vertical threat as well. If you watch any game against mm. LSU, he completely torched Stingley, Stingley, whatever his name is, one of the top young corners in all of college football. He absolutely torches him. And this this catch is absolutely freaking ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy how he's able to get up on that. Jesus. Um, I, I think I have the picture. I'm going to try and share this picture real quick. Um, yeah, change windows. Hold on, let me, let me pull it up real quick. Let's see if I can get it up. Maybe I'll just, I think I can put it over the screen here. But look how high he gets here. Is this going to load? Yeah, here we go. So, this was on the broadcast. 10 feet, 8 inches in the air, he caught that football. Dude, that is insane. He could have dunked that football. Yeah. I mean, he can get up. It's, he, he's, for being the Slim Reaper, he's still just a crazy athlete, just being how small he is, or a small build. Yeah, I, I think that people are taking the whole BMI thing a little bit too seriously with him because, yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not, like, thick. He doesn't have a big BMI. You know, he's got minimal amount of C's in his thickness. But the dude is still a tremendous athlete. Like, do mm. not discount how much of an athlete he is. And it's almost like, I feel like he's almost, you know, you see a lot of basketball players that now transition to tight end. I feel like Devontae Smith is now, like, he's like the basketball player at receiver. Where he, he's, like, really slim, but he's got great ups, and he's just got... He's got good feet. He's just really good with his body and body control in the air, t reaching up for the ball, high-pointing the ball. And I think that that's a lot more important than being, you know, a bully out there in the modern game. Um, so, yeah, just the way that he attacks D-backs is really awesome. And I just love watching him. And I've liked him for a long time now. So we're going to see. There's going to be like a little curl. And just... He sells this go perfectly. And this is why he is so freaking tough to cover one-on-one. -on -one. Like, dude, you think easily he's going for a go here. Because if you put on the tape of him running a go route, it looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Right? There is no tell. So he does this little shoulder dip. This is like the, the standard college receiver 101 release. Just attack the D-back cut outside, dip your inside shoulder, and, like, dude, he is selling this perfectly. And then, bang, stops on a dime, throws even a little bit late, and then he makes guys miss when when he catches the ball. That is like, crazy me, that he's able to stop all that momentum and just come back to the route like that. Oh, yeah, he's insane. Um, yeah, and, like, in general, people are scared that 
oh, because he's a really small receiver, he's going to struggle against press coverage. Well, I think that if you look at the LSU and the Georgia tape, that that's not really true. That he actually does relatively well when you get tight in on uh, tight up on him. The only the only tape he really struggled against that tight coverage was the tape that we were saying earlier against J.C. Horn, and even then he still scored two touchdowns. So yeah. can you do you consider that struggling? Like last time I checked, anyone that scores two touchdowns had a pretty good day. But yeah, you're gonna see here he's at the top of the screen, and it's just tough to get hands on him. You know, it is tough to try and and get your hands on him. And even when you do, he's still, like, he's so long that you can, like, he's like an octopus. You put the ball over here, he's going to catch it. You put the ball up top, he's going to catch it down low. Like, not only that, he's quick, he's got great feet. He, you know, he is really good, Um, what's it called? Like, tracking the ball, ball location, whatever the hell you want to call it. And on top of the body control, he I just feel like he's the total package. The only thing he's not is one of these, like, bully type of receivers. Yeah. That, you know, like you see A.J. Brown, right? Where you're just basically moving the corner 10 yards and then doing, you know, doing a quick basic or a dig, catching the ball, and then breaking a couple tackles. But, you know, obviously he's not that. And if you're running one of those systems, like you can see here, right, he gets thrown to the ground, like, yeah, yeah, he he's was, obviously uh, not the most physical guy, but um, I think that's um, that's that Tyson St Campbell. That's Tyson Campbell. It might be Stoke, it might be Stokes. One of the two. But like, dude, these Georgia D backs were NFL quality D backs, and they really mm -hmm. had no answer for Devonte Smith. Um, what is this last clip I had loaded up here? Um, I don't even think I meant to put this on here, but you know what? I'll play it anyway. Look at this, Devonte Smith. He's just a beast. Yep, just go up and get it. And it's funny because I actually thought this was one of my weaknesses around him. I don't love him around the sideline some of the times. I think that his feet kind of kind of get away from him and he loses track of the sideline, but it is nitpicking a little bit that. Um, so, yeah, let's get into number two, and that's Jamar Chase. Like I said earlier, I think it does depend on the scheme that you want. I think that Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith equally have the same amount of concerns. I think I am a little bit more concerned about Jamar Chase than I am Devontae Smith, which will come off as kind of a surprise. But I'll get into that now. Um, yeah, obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamar Chase went before Devontae Smith. I think it's easier to be sold on Jamar Chase, you know, the, the athletics, how well he did, you know, seeing him go up against corners that had success in the NFL. Like on this clip, he's up against Trayvon Diggs, and he just kind of mosses Trayvon Diggs. You know, Jamar Chase, the first thing you notice about him is that he's not a 50-50 ball winner because he turns the 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls, yeah. right? So, like I kind of said earlier, I think that Jamar Chase, you can put him in an A.J. Brown-esque role where you're on a, a physical football team, but then he can do even more. Especially, like, I think he has a better route tree. Um, I think he just has better footwork. Maybe he's not as good with the ball in his hands as A.J. Brown is, but he has better hands than A.J. Brown. Like, I feel like you're almost getting an A.J. Brown that's a better receiver in Jamar Chase. So, Jamar Chase, probably a safer prospect than Devontae Smith is to a certain extent. Um, 
yeah, he's just such a beast, right? I, I really don't think you can go wrong with either one of these guys. These guys are both so good. Yeah, so you're going to see here, this is a, a game against one of my favorite corners, actually my number one corner last year, C.J. Henderson. And this is exactly what I love about Jamar Chase's game. Because C.J. Henderson was doing all right against Jamar Chase, but this is where Jamar Chase beats you. Because, you know, if he's in one-on-one, this whole outside area of the field is such a threat in C.J. Henderson's mind. But Jamar Chase can just do a quick little slant, and look how powerful he is when catching this football. Strong hands. It's like yeah, C.J. Henderson hands. doesn't even phase him on this catch. You know, like, he, he obviously not bringing him down. And, like, that's the thing that in the NFL, like, will definitely translate in um in Jamar Chase's game is just how, like, how physical he is. Like, he, he doesn't mind guys being around him. He likes to play physical he almost, like, dares defensive backs to press him because he loves hand-fighting them, and he wins it constantly at the college level. Yeah, he's figured something out in that where he's just got this whole key where he can just win that battle. Um, this is unfortunate. Uh, I don't think my, my clip here saved up. But, yeah, just lastly, Jamar Chase, I, I think that I have two slight concerns about him. One is that he does want to play more physical than, like, a finesse, which I just, it's not even necessarily a knock on Jamar Chase. It's just kind of a knock on receivers before him with a similar play style and skill set. It's that if there have been receivers that not necessarily bust but weren't as productive as we thought, it is those receivers that just try to physically dominate their the, the defensive back across mm-hmm. for them. Because in the NFL, the, the D-backs are like physically way better. And if they're playing press man, they don't get beat as much over the top. And when there is a 50-50 ball, they're nowhere near as bad as a lot of college D-backs are. Um, the other thing is just kind of in that similar vein is just his... his his release a lot of the time is just kind of, I'm just going to move you. And I, I think that maybe this is a personal preference. I just kind of tend to like guys that beat defensive backs off of the line with good footwork and quickness and just really well-coordinated releases. And I'm not saying that Jamar Chase's releases aren't good. I'm just saying that I think that he does rely on the fact that he's just physically better than D-backs a little bit too often Yeah, they're, compared it, to Devontae Smith. Uh, they're not as good as Devontae Smith. Like, you're right. Um, that's something that he's probably going to have to work at in the next level, like you said, because these corners are not going to be – are going to be more physical and better than these players he's seen in the collegiate level, and especially he hasn't played in a year. And game action might come a little slow to him at first. But – I don't know. There's something about Jamar Chase. Maybe it was just, you know, him scoring 20 touchdowns in one season just really popped out. But, like, (laughs) you know, but it's the same with those two. 1A, 1B, you you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah, these two guys are both my favorite receiver prospects to come out since that Julio A.J. Green class. And I, yeah, obviously, you know, this is when I was younger and didn't, scout anywhere near as much as I do now, but I definitely liked Julio a lot more than A.J. Green. I was not necessarily high on A.J. Green coming out. Um, But both of these guys, they are unbelievably talented prospects. You can't go wrong with either one. I think that both of these guys should be off the board in the top 10 picks in April.
Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I had one more thing that I was going to say about Jamar Chase, and I, it's escaping me right now. Um, all right, well, let's move on then. My number three guy is Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore I have absolutely loved for a long time now. Rondale Moore is a freaking beast. Um, yeah, so you're going to see him. He's lined up in the slot on the right side of the screen if you're watching on the tube. And Ohio's, he torched Ohio State this game. He is 18 years old, true freshman. And while he was torching them, Ohio State obviously is like, okay, this Rondo Moore kid is pretty good. Let's bracket him, which is mm-hmm. basically a double team. You're going to see he's going to get shoved by by this guy, and he's going to be playing underneath, and you got a guy over the top, an over-under bracket. And that is not the way that you're going to stop Rondell Moore, apparently, because Rondell Moore <laughs> is so good. He just get It's almost like this guy in the back wasn't even covering him. I think that's um that's Sean Wade. That when Sean, Sean Wade? Wade was a freshman or a sophomore, one of the top high school recruits at, at corner. And just look at this cut. Dude, like this cut. These, his hips, Sean Wade's hips, the D-back, he's screwed. Like, and he just does this constantly. Rondell Moore is insanely quick, and his feet are ridiculous. Um, yeah, so he, not only that, is Rondell Moore's quickness and his footwork really good. Like, the way that he, the way that he, um, changes his speeds... Um, and uses that to his advantage to beat linebackers and defensive backs and safeties is just honestly so cool to watch. You can throw it in a he second does it as an whatever. NFL level. Yeah, you can throw oh, it yeah, and like, it's just crazy. He sets these guys up so, so easily. So here's a play. You know, they're just going to hand the ball off to him. And look how he sets. So he's like, he's going like three quarters speed here. So then he's going to start bombing out to the sideline. And then this move, just on a dime, undercuts him. Like, that is insane. How do you stop this? Oh, my God. It is honestly so cool to watch. So, Rondale Moore. Things I love about him. Quickness, change of direction, change speed. All, I believe, at a top-tier NFL level. And not only that, like... Dude, his routes are so good. So I saw this. It took me a while to find this. I think it's like a minute in here. Some of these routes from, um, I think it's this one here, from Rondale Moore. And it's like, I don't want to compare him to this player, but this is what it slightly reminds me of. It's when you, like, when you watch Jerry Rice, you just watch him just stop instantly on a dime. Like, footwork is just so clean, so quick. And I really get that feeling from Rondell Moore on a lot of his routes. Like, dude, this it just is textbook. Like th- this little this little um, curl route here, bang, just right on a dime, easy. Like, dude, that is NFL. Yeah, that you're just not screams be, NFL. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to defend that. He is very polished, and you know, being a smaller guy, and he's gonna have to excel at like the little things. You know, I think he's really taking advantage of that. Like, dude, this is perfect. Dude, if I get this on Sundays... And what's crazy to me about Rondo Moore is that every single every single ball I see thrown to him, he is so quick, they're all late. They're not necessarily very late, but every single time, 
he has he's ready for the football and and he has to wait for it to get there, right? Maybe yeah. that's because he hasn't played with one of these top tier quarterbacks. I think that's definitely part of it. But even here, that ball's out late. And like I think that that's one thing that people don't see in Rondale Moore is that they don't see how like he's just so much faster. Like not only his speed but the way he plays than everyone else on the field. And like every if you go back and watch the Rondale Moore games, just just watch his route running and just look at how he is ready for the football and they're always late. That's how much faster he plays. And I think that directly translates to the NFL because everyone always is saying, oh, well, the NFL, it's way faster of a game. And you kind of saw an example if you watch that that Nick Mullins clip from last week. Like, dude, if you're a hair late on these throws, you miss him. you're yeah. kind of screwed. Rondale Moore, he plays way faster than anyone else on the field every single game. And if that doesn't translate to the NFL, I don't know what does. Um, one other thing, I got this Indiana, dude. Like this Indiana game, if you want to be sold on Rondale Moore from anything aside from the Ohio State game, dude, he was going off in this Indiana game. And if you're one of the people that thinks that he isn't great vertically down the field, it'll it'll happen sooner or later. Just see, look, even on this, quarterback's late. He he's already ready for the football. He's yep. waiting for it. A lot of the time, he kind of gets screwed up because he's beating the guy so badly that him waiting for the football allows the defender to get back in the play. Um, yeah, here we go. So if you if you question his his vertical prowess, he doesn't catch this ball. Actually, there's there's gonna be one. No. He catches he catches a couple long balls here. Okay, whatever. It, they're not coming up. The YouTube, this video is, is not helping me. not helping my point. But yeah, that, that is one of the major knocks on him is that he he's not great vertically down the field. I really advise you to go watch that Indiana video that I just had up because there were a couple plays where he is a threat vertically down the field. I think the other thing is that that offense, that Purdue offense, was not great for him and his buddy Bell, who is another one of the top receivers in college football, um, I just don't think the scheme, the personnel, the talent of that team really helped and showcase his skill set. Um, yeah, I just, I was not a huge fan of the scheme. I think that they, not that they, only, how do I put this? It's like, they used him as like a gadgety kind of player, but I feel like they were almost forced to do that to get the maximum usage out of him rather yeah. than use him as an actual receiver because their the talent of their offense couldn't maximize his skill set if he was just a receiver, mm-hmm. um, which I think will change at the next level. I think when he gets to the next level, you're going to see him transition really well into more of that actual receiver kind of a role, which I think people aren't taking into account, and that's why I have him as my number three guy. I think this guy is easily a first-round talent. Um, I, honestly, it might be getting to the point where I hope he doesn't go in the first round just so that I can get him at a better price in my dynasty leagues. Um, let's go on to number four, though. Number four, is, for me, is Dimey Brown. I also think that Dimey Brown is a first-round talent. And I think that Dimey Brown is another guy that's a little bit misunderstood. So the first thing that I noticed about Dimey Brown 
and I'm really pissed off because I'm, a bunch of my good clips of Dimey Brown are now gone from that guy's YouTube yeah, channel getting deleted. But um, he's a great deep threat. He is really good vertically down the field, and he is a very good route runner on these deep routes. Look at the separation he creates. Easy money. And I want to go into, on one of these clips, the route running. Um, yeah, it's here. Here we go. Um, I think it's this play. Nope, it's not this play. But this is him with the ball in his hands. Okay, let's back up. Yeah, so I guess I'll go into that first. Diamond Brown, playmaker on all phases of the field. You can put the ball in his hands short and you can make guys miss. You can throw him deep. And he's good intermediate, which I think is one thing that people discount way too much with Diamond Brown is that they don't realize how much of a playmaker on all phases of the field he re he actually is. And I think part of that problem is because the North Carolina offense didn't really they didn't really have to rely on him necessarily because their running attack was so good and yeah. Daz Newsom was a great like playmaker over the middle, just getting the ball in his hands. And on top of that, Diamond Brown was a really good blocker, so you're almost for the college game, just put the ball in Daz Newsom's hands and have Diamond Brown block for him. Or put the ball in your really talented running back's hands and have Diamond Brown blocking on the outside and only use him really as a deep threat when you want to score. So I think that one of the problems is that this offense didn't have to rely on his skill set a ton. Here we go. Here's the example I wanted to show. This is really good route running from Diamond Brown. So, kind of like we said earlier, the, the standard move, the, the release 101 for college receivers, is a little shake and then that shoulder dip, that inside shoulder dip to try and get to the outside. Mm -hmm. I am not a receiver master by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that that is like the number one release that receivers are taught because a lot of plays are must-outside releases, and that's just the easiest one to learn. Now, Dimey Brown is going to fake this here, right? He's going to fake the shoulder dip. You see how he's lowering his inside shoulder here? For those listening, he is lowering his inside shoulder. Um, then he's going to get these D back to slightly turn. And now he's going to slap that arm, th this D back's inside arm, with his inside hand and get right over the top of him. And what he's going to do is he's going to stack him, it's called stacking him within five yards which basically means he's putting his body in front of the defender's body because now since this is a vertical route that defender has to somehow get around diami brown to make a play on the ball if if he just if he doesn't get in front of this guy and he just you know is like oh well i kind of got past him i'll just let him stay on my side well, then that defender can get away with a little bit of like a grab yeah, and then get back in pull. on the play and make a play on his hands. If you stack this guy, then you make this defender's job a nightmare to cover you deep. And that's exact. He doesn't just do that. He does that within five yards with that really textbook perfect release. But because of the result of the play, people are going to say, oh, Diamond Brown, he's not all that good. And the only reason he doesn't catch this ball, and this is something that Antonio Brown actually taught me, um, looking at stuff online, look at his head. On these over-the-shoulder catches, you are supposed to have your eyes locked in on the football the entire time. 
So you see, eyes here are locked in on the football. But let me actually play this in slow motion. Um, no, not quality. Playback speed. Bang. Look at his eyes. Takes his eyes off the football. He's too worried about getting yards after the catch and scoring the touchdown instead of keeping his eyes on the football. You see, he's looking straight ahead. And he just loses the football. It's basically just a focus drop. And now it's looking like that commercial with the chick with the phone. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just fumbling the phone. Yeah, that's basically what this has turned into. And I think a lot of armchair scouts like myself, and I probably used to do this as well, would say, oh, well, that's a terrible play. He, his hands suck. That's not his hands. That is purely a mental young player mistake that is going to be coached out, at least in my opinion, by any sort of halfway decent coaching staff at the next level. Yeah, you could easily fix that. Also, just look the way he got off the line and was able to get that open in the first place. You know, you got to take that as a positive. Yeah, so the the clear knock on Diami Brown from the community and myself a little bit is that he has way too many focus drops and drops in general. But if there's one thing that we've learned about receiver prospects is that these guys can develop that. Mm -hmm. Look at Devontae Adams, his first year in the league. He, like, led the league in drops, and now he's a stud stud pass catcher. DeAndre Hopkins was a guy that struggled with drops coming out. That was the reason he wasn't drafted higher, was because people thought he couldn't catch the football. Now the guy has, like, the most sure hands in the NFL. I think that if you discount Diami Brown because you are worried about the drops, I, I just think that you're, at least in Dynasty League, you're missing out on a good player. Um, I think that he's a first-round talent, personally. Um, and not only that, you look at every other receiver in the draft, they also have hands issues. So I'm not sure how you can say, oh, well, Diami Brown has hands issues, but then point out Rashad Bateman and say, yeah. oh, well, his hands are elite. Um, Diami Brown, this kid's really good. Um, I don't necessarily know what his pro comp is, but I think that he is easily one of the most underrated players in this draft. Easily the most underrated receiver right now. His price in Dynasty is great. I think he's going in the first round. But if he doesn't, some teams get a steal on day two. Yeah, especially for a guy that hasn't been talked a lot and not getting enough love. You know, could be one of those shocker picks, you know, in the first or second round. I think he's just... You, you, you talk about these people that really want that alpha number one X receiver, and I think they're pointing to all the wrong guys. Like, Rashad Bateman, I think, is all right. I have him on my top ten list, but uh, clearly he's not my top five. Um, and, he, you know, I just think he has too many issues. Terrace Marshall, I don't even have in my top ten, mainly for different reasons. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not a big Terrence Marshall fan. Um, I, I didn't like his production on the outside. Um, I think he was more inconsistent than people actually realize. Um, I, I think he's not a high-effort guy, whereas Diami Brown, I mean, this dude takes pride, all these North Carolina kids take pride in blocking and are extremely high-effort, high-motor kind of guys. Um, yeah, I, I think Diami Brown is legit. Number five, though, Jalen Waddle. Not really sure a ton needs to be said about Jalen Waddle. I guess I'm going to have to defend why I don't have him higher. But if you live under a rock, um, Jalen Waddle is extremely dangerous. And this is how dangerous he is. So you're going to see 
Georgia screws up this coverage, and they don't pass him off correctly. You're going to see these two defenders here up top on your screen. They're going to get confused. And I, they both go to Devontae Smith. They both initially start covering Devontae Smith. You see, they're like looking at each other like, uh, who do you have? Who do you have? Yeah. And if you do that, well, Jalen Waddle's going to burn you. And he's going to burn you for a touchdown. Because any Jesus. sort of false step is going to, to result in a touchdown for Jalen Waddle. And that is especially true on double moves. This guy is like the double move king. Okay, this is the wrong clip. Man, I really did a poor job ordering these clips. I'm really sorry about this. Here we go. This is the clip. He's the double move king. Just one step, the safety bites a little bit, bang, easy touchdown. It creates like five and a half yards of separation. You're not catching Golly. it. And he had to stop and too and picked it back up. Oh, yeah. He, he like That's an underthrown football. So, yeah, take a look at this safety here on the right side of the screen. Yep, you're done. See ya. Jalen Waddle's gone. That's how dangerous he is. And if you look on the clip that I accidentally played once again, this is kind of Jalen Waddle's game, right? Get him in space, use his quickness, get him open on this, like, basically a whip route, an extended mm -hmm. whip route. And everyone wants to pro-comp Jalen Waddle to Tyree Kill, and I think that is a bad pro-comp. Jalen Waddle does not want to play physical. He wants to play fast. I think a better pro comp for Jalen Waddle is like a T.Y. Hilton. Because T.Y. Hilton is, the, is a very similar type of player. He's a huge threat vertically down the field. He's good with the ball in his hands. And he's the kind of guy that wants to beat you with speed. So if I'm a Jalen Waddle fan, I don't want him to try and be Tyreek Hill. I don't want a team to think he's Tyreek Hill. I want a team to think he's T.Y. Hilton. And really take advantage of his skill set that way. And, you know, just make him a huge threat. If you see him one-on-one -on -one and, and they're playing back, just hit him with curls all day. And when once you see that D-back start biting, then we double move his ass. Yeah. So Jalen Waddle, I initially was lower on him because I didn't like his physicality. I think that he can kind of get bullied a little bit by D-backs, more so than Devontae Smith. Um but, man, he's just such a problem that you you can't – I feel like it's hard to have him outside your top five because, my God, this guy is such a problem for defenses. Whether he's a consistent stud fantasy player or not is besides the point because I think when this guy is on the field, you have to say, well, shit, we have to make sure we got a guy over yeah, the top. Yeah, he's got, he's got him because he'll take the top yeah. off on you real quick. It doesn't matter. So I, I think that that's – that's the reason why Jalen Waddle is just so incredibly, like, valuable. And, like, you think about Randy Moss taking the top off a of defense. Well, Jalen Waddle can take the top off a of defense. Probably better than a whole lot of other players before him. Yeah. On top of the fact that he's good underneath, he's good with the ball in his hands. So, Jalen Waddle, for me, number five, I could see why you have him higher. So, I'm going to go through the next bunch of guys, the next five. I don't have clips on them. But number six, I have the Ole Miss receiver, Elijah Moore. Yeah, I've seen him um, get a lot Honestly, of from, from my number six rated receiver all the way to like 14 or 15, these guys I have like very similar grades on. Um, honestly, one of the reasons why I have Elijah Moore at six is just because I think the data analytics is favorable for him. I wasn't hugely impressed by his tape. I think part of that is because the Ole Miss offense was hard to watch. Um... 
I don't think they did a great job of displaying his skill set on an NFL level. But the guy's good. He he's good for the most part in all phases. Yeah, he he did have to go into a new office this year with the Lane Kiffin hire. Might have like not been his kind of suit or whatever. Um, but I I've, I've seen people on some people's mocks where they're kind of you know they're even I've seen him go in the first round. Elijah Moore at, at is in the back end. Yeah. So for me, those five guys I mentioned, I all have first round grades on Elijah Moore is the only other player I think I can make an argument that should have a first round grade um I don't think I would take him in the first round if I were GM but he'd be pretty close and if I really needed a receiver like let's say I'm the Chiefs and I'm like listen I am not coming out of this draft without a receiver and these other five guys go well I wouldn't necessarily be terribly against picking Elijah Moore there Mm. so Elijah Moore I think he's a good player um, I mean, on top of that, it's just like you look at the route running clips of this guy in practice, and it is just insane. You do see it on tape. He's a kid who plays hard, so he's my number six guy. My number seven guy is Tylen Wallace, and I'm actually a little bit shocked they don't have him higher because this guy kind of killed the pro day and ran much faster than I thought. And that was actually the pro day time that I saw. I'm like, I'm not sure I can believe these because... I did not see, like, he ran, like, a 4.39 or something yeah, on, that, that's on crazy. the pro day. And I did not expect that. I was worried this guy was going to run, like, a 4.6. Like, <laughs> he just shattered it. A 4.39? Like, yeah, he Jesus just shattered Christ. it. But Tylen Wallace is a guy I have liked for a while. Um, I think that there's definitely an argument that I can have him at my number six spot. If I were an NFL team, it really de- depended on what we were trying to do. Um, Tom, you talk about Tom Wallace. You got to talk. He's a fifty-fifty ball winner. I remember I was watching that Tulsa game, and their starting quarterback went down, and their offense basically just became, it's third and long. <laughs> We're throwing it up to Tom Wallace, and it Chunk actually kind of worked. Um, yeah, I think that this guy is just not only is he good like a fifty-fifty ball winner, I, he's got a good head on him. Like he, he's good at finding holes in zones. I think he's like. He does a pretty decent job of setting up D-backs. I think the big problem I have with Tyler Wallace is that he kind of sucks against press coverage. Mm. Considering that so he that was be being... Like, like, he was getting pressed in the Big 12. And the Big 12 isn't exactly known for being great at pass coverage. So, like, that's kind of defense concerning. at all. Yeah, like, oh, man, that really is tough. And for now... Like, from a fantasy football perspective, a dynasty perspective, I believe in him. I think if a team gets him after the second round, it'd be a good pick. But I I am interested to see where he goes in the draft. My number eight guy, it's going to come as a little bit of a shock, is Nico Collins out of Michigan. Mm. Um, I liked Nico Collins coming into this year. I wasn't necessarily huge on him. But watching him at the Senior Bowl was like, wow, this guy's good. Um, And... Like, once again, I do want to see where he goes, but, and you know, he has limited tape. He opted out, which is kind of a problem. But, man, this guy looks like he's got all the talent to, to be a stud receiver. So, I actually think he's going to go in the second round. Um, and I, I I think there's a decent chance he might go over Rashad Bateman. I don't know. I Kind of like you, let's get into my number nine guy, is Rashad Bateman. I think that Rashad Bateman has just been overhyped. Yeah, um, he's been really overhyped. I think he has way more flaws than people really expect. Um, one thing I will say that I like about Rashad Bateman, he's great in one-on-one coverage scenarios. He's tough to cover. He's got good feet. He's got a good release. 
But the problem I have with Rashad Bateman is that every single area of his game outside of those two strengths is just really inconsistent. He's not a great vertical threat, but he's not bad. He's good with the ball in his hands. I wouldn't say he's great, as some people would say. Um, Like, it's just very... He's good, but he's... Good only gets you so far. He, he's, so, he's good, but it's like he's not good enough to sell me. You know, like I yeah, there'd be a trust thing with Rashad Bateman, and I'm not, I'm not risking that. And and you know the one thing is that everyone is taking Rashad Bateman, saying that he's an alpha number one receiver. Well, I actually don't think he is. I think he's he'd be much more suited as a number two receiver than a, than a true number one. Um, you know, everyone's screaming, oh, well, he's Devontae Adams, he's Michael Thomas. Well, yeah, maybe at a ceiling case, but I don't see him reaching that ceiling, to be completely honest. Um, I'll, we'll probably get more into that come, come like, the actual draft streams and stuff. I'll get more into that. But Rashad Bateman, not, not huge on, but once again, like, I respect the fact that he's good, and I still have him on this top 10 list. And my number 10 pick... Man, this is a crapshoot between a bunch of guys. I pick Carderas Tony. Honestly, it might be Tamarion Terry. It could be Amon Ra. It could be Demetric Felton. Like, all these guys, I think, are relatively equal all the way up to the sixth spot. You could put any one of these guys there. So, um, I put Tony there just because I think he's got the highest ceiling out of all these guys. But that's going to be the receiver rankings. Um, and that's probably going to be the end of the episode here. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you're watching on the tube, hit that like, subscribe button, hit the bell so you know leave when we post. Leave some comments. Yeah, leave some frisky comments. Um, but that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.